0: Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So we're going to get on this word and then um, I've been wanting to get to particular scriptures, but we'll we'll see if we even get there. But uh, if not, it's God's will. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Amen. Amen. So we're going to continue with love and unity. Um, I guess this will be part four. Let's turn to our first Thessalonians chapter four. You know, like I mentioned at the uh, first first message, first part on this, that uh, there'll be some scriptures that sound familiar because we got to remember God is love. And as we we were talking about that, you know, we're not it's not optional for us to love and to be in unity as a body doesn't mean we're going to agree on everything, but we should be able to work out our differences as mature Christians. First Thessalonians four. We there? All right. First Thessalonians chapter four, and I'm gonna read verse nine and part of verse ten. But concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another, and indeed you do so toward all the brethren who are in all Macedonia. So let's stop right there. So here's Paul writing to the church of Thessalonica and Just so I don't forget, we're going to go into First Thessalonians, the next book that we're going to read for a Bible study. And we're going to see that, you know, there's no perfect church, but the church in Thessalonica was actually a model church. It's a church that we can read about and we can look at because they were commended for their faith. They were commended for their faith. And as we see here, also for their brotherly love. But here's the thing. Paul is saying this. What stood out to me when I when I read this, actually, was that he said Concerning brother we love, you have no need that I should write to you. In other words, he said, "Look, well, continue on, For you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. Amen. Right. So when we come to the Lord and we become born again, I don't want to use the word natural, but it should be inherently spiritually naturally that we should love one another. So I remember, you know, back when I got saved. But, but prior to that, me getting saved, I was hanging out with some friends. Just hanging out. We were always hanging out, do things, things that were not holy, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> things that were not holy. And when I got saved, I had no desire to do those things. I started to gravitate inherently, automatically to the brothers, to the people, my brothers and sisters in the church. I wanted to be around other Christians. Guess what? Nobody had to teach me that. Because God had already instilled that. Why? Because it's this Holy Spirit that comes in us. (laughs) Right. So now when we teach on love, it should just be a reminder, a refresher. Right. But when we become born again, it should be automatic in us. But truth be told, I remember working youth and family crimes and, you know, there in Richmond, we had we, we dealt with the missing persons. And I always enjoyed going to, not that I enjoy people missing, but I enjoyed going to the churches when it was a part of an investigation. But there was one particular church. And no matter how many times I or another detective went there, because we all come back with the same testimony, how rude, irritable and nasty they were. Now, experiencing that, you think I would want to visit that church? No, no not at all. You think I would want to tell somebody to speak favorably of that church? No. So let that be a lesson to us. <laughs> right. On how we carry ourselves. So they say, hey, what church you go to? That's one of the reasons why I would never do bumper stickers. Because <laughs> I see bumper stickers on certain churches and I'm looking at right, oh no. <laughs> no. We don't need no t-shirts. We don't need no bumper stickers. I don't need none of that. Look. <laughs> You just let your fruit show. All right. That that that'll be your bumper sticker, your fruit. (laughs) But it shouldn't be like that. But there were other churches I would go in and they were loving. You know, and not that I necessarily visited them, but I'm like, okay, I wouldn't mind coming here. Or I could tell somebody about that church. Why? Because it should not be hard for us as believers to love one another. But we struggle with that. We struggle with that as Christians. And it should not be. Right. You know. Because we want people to love us. But here's the thing. We require other people to be perfect. In order for us to love them. We don't want to accept the flaws that people have. Because none of us are perfect. And we have to remember that. So what we do is. We pick out their flaws. Like oh I am not dealing with that brother or sister. Mm-mm. I don't want nothing to do with that But understand the love that the Lord is talking about is, is you know what? I don't want to get ahead of myself. I will talk about that <laughs> later. All right, because I got a scripture for that. But, um, you know, we're going to turn to 1 John. 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. We're going to go to 1st John, then we're going to go to 2nd John, you know, and, I would, and I'm and i not going to go through all of this, obviously, but 1st John has five chapters, 2nd and 3rd John has one chapter each. So it's really a book that you could read in one day. <laughs> right. But the one thing, you know, when we get trained in the academy, whether it's military, police, you know, when you get or when you go to firearms, you get taught basically the basic fundamentals and things. Right. And I'm not going to go through all the fundamentals, but you have certain fundamentals that they'll teach you where, you know, you line up your front sight with your rear sight and you got steady trigger control and you do some self-talk. You realize that if you do these basic things, you're going to get a passing score. Now, if you pass, if you continue to practice these fundamental principles, well, guess what? You're going to get a higher score. If you do these things every day, you're going to shoot in the high 90s or 100s. And, And... These are things that it doesn't matter what it is. There's certain fundamentals, whether it's sports or whatever it is. If we just stick to the fundamentals, we will be good. That's what John is given here in his letters here. He's given certain fundamentals, right? He in in first John, the fundamentals are this, the theme in first John is this is considered to be happiness, holiness and security, meaning eternal security, eternal salvation. Right now, when you go to uh, Second Second uh, John, the uh, the themes are truth, love, and obedience. Truth, love, and obedience. You can write those down. I was trying to make sure I could remember them and memorize them. <laughs> yeah, I was spending all day trying to remember that, so I wouldn't forget. I kept getting stuck on obedience, but they all kind of go together. So John is basically when he gives us these six fundamental principles, basically he's saying, "Look, this is the litmus test for a Christian." In other words, this is the evidence in us. So if you practice these six things, you are good. You practice these six things. Everything falls in the line. No matter what message, no matter what lesson we, we could read in the Bible, whether it's coming from Jesus, Paul, Peter, John, James, Jude, it doesn't matter. It all fall into one of those six things. And these are the things that we have to have. So let's look at first uh, John. I said first John five, correct? Yes. All right. First verse. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Let's stop right there. So we, we know that, right? Well, we, we know it's true because it's in the Bible. But, and these are, some, this is something that we will hear churches talk about. And, and when it comes to salvation, because all it is, is Jesus, right? All we got to do is believe in Jesus, right? But now looking at that first verse, after he says, Christ is born of God, he has the word and there. And is used to connect words or sentences that are to be taken jointly. So, in other words, whoever it should be read just like it it says here. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves him, who begot, also loves him who is begotten of him. He's not talking about Jesus, but he's talking about us. We should love our brothers and sisters of Christ if we're born again. So, once again, now, if we're saying that hey I don't like that brother I don't want nothing to do with them I can't forgive them then we may not be born again let's keep reading let's keep reading let's not take my word for it let's keep reading uh, verse 2 by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments so by this we know we love the children of God when we love God so when we love God we have to love God His children, which is us, which is our brothers and sisters look like. Doesn't matter what they look like. Doesn't matter the personality defects. We have to love them as they are. And we talked about the commandments last week uh, when I read about John 13 and how it goes back to service. Okay, so. uh, Verse three, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. So. We say sometimes it's hard for me to love that brother. It's hard for me to be around them. But he says. Commandments are not burdensome. His commands is that we love one another. And we read also from John. Uh, 13 last week. That it's not just love. But it's also unity. Right. So. Now when we're having discord. As a body. Not just a local body. But. A universal church body that's a problem that's a problem and then we wonder why sometimes why the church today is not functioning like the early church when we read about the early church in the bible they were happy fellowshipping and things like that they had some disagreements guess what they rectified the problem right even when acts when they made the first deacons they had a disagreement found a solution Said, pick those from among you right These are things that we should be able to come to the table and work out our differences. But it shouldn't be, oh, they offended me, I'm leaving. And then all we're going to do is take that offense to the next place we go. You know, speaking of burdensome, you know, we we have Christians today that find it so hard to live for the Lord. You know, It shouldn't be difficult for us to be saved. (laughs) You know, part of the problem is, you know what it is? We don't hate sin enough. Amen. We become comfortable with sin Mm -hmm. in our lives, And it works with us, too. Mm -hmm. Because when we start to point the finger at our brother and sister in Christ, you know what that is? Mm Self-righteousness. I'm better than you. Mm -hmm. That ought not to be. That's sin. That's pride. Mm -hmm. That ought not to be. Verse 4. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Stop right there. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. You know what that word overcome means? Conquer. Conquer. Yeah. So explain to me why we have so many Christians struggling. If we're born of God, why are not we conquering the world? But instead what we do is conform to the world. Oh, and then we don't even talk about sin in the church a lot of times. We conform, but see, this goes back to what I talked about Wednesday, right? Even with the the, the t- you were talking about the testimony of the lady. See, we we give part of the sanctification teaching to people, saying, "Hey, come to Jesus, get get, get saved. He's going to work it out. He's going to change you." Well, guess what? Jesus died for our sins. That is, but there's a part of sanctification process that becomes our responsibility. Jesus died for our sins, but we have to die to sin. Amen. Yes. Amen. And the fact that we don't die to sin is why we still have Christians living in sin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we think it's okay. I'm saying we as a church, not here. We think it's okay, and we look the other way because we don't want to offend, we don't want to talk about it, but he says here, he, who whatever is born of God, overcomes the world, conquers the world. But yet, we still have Christians that abound Pornography, alcohol, drugs, masturbation, all that, all that is sin. All that is sin. OK, so now if we're born again, that means guess what? We're not spending time with God because you know why? Jesus gave us the answer in John 17, 17. He says this. He says, Father, sanctify them by your truth. Means set them apart by your truth. Your word is your truth. So now, when you're in a church that's not teaching the word, and it's talking about, hey, hang in there. Keep going. Keep going. Don't give up. And all that psychological stuff. That's not truth. That's not the word. You have to be in a place that's going to teach the word. And guess what? It's not even that. It's not just that. Excuse me. But you have to read the word. Because as we read the word and we read it in faith, and then we get to talk the truth in the church. Guess what? Now we start to become cleansed. Because what we do in churches today we say hey get saved, join the church, get plugged in, children's many ministry, ministry, deacons, parking lot ministry all that. That's not sanctification. That's work. That's work. Hard work. Especially when you're with kids. I will not be with kids. <laughs> I will if I have to. That's just not my first choice. No, a second, third or fourth. (laughs) My kids will testify to that. (laughs) But that's worked. And then we wonder why those Christians are still struggling. Because they're not being taught anything. But yet we see it in all these churches. Not all these churches, but a lot of churches. We're putting them to work. But they're not getting cleansed by the word. They're not being taught the word. And the word that they're getting, again, it's a psychological word. that's saying, hey, motivate yourself. Do it. The word. It shouldn't be burdensome to us. Alright, second part, uh, verse 4. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. Our faith. Right? We got Christians that are living by sight all the time. Mm. But not faith. So when when I talked about the theme of uh, John, when he talks about security, you know, and, and and truth and love, how many knows? Going back to even when I read last week with John 14 and 1, where Jesus said, do not be troubled. I'm going to make, I'm, I'm going to make a a, a room for you. And my father's house has many mansions. I will return for you. Right. But yet we still get worried. And And we don't live in obedience or don't accept the truth when he says, look, cast your cares on me. But we still want to hold on to it because why? It is a lack of faith on our part because we start worrying. We're looking at the natural things when he's saying, look, trust me. And then again, it's like being on the on the chair, falling back and believing somebody's going to be there for you and it's going to be hard to our natural beings, but sometimes we just got to let go. We got to let it go and allow God to work. He didn't create us to figure out all the problems. He's already got to figure it out. Why? Because he knows the end from the beginning. It's not meant for us to figure them out, but when we try to figure it out, that's when we get stressed. That's when we get worried. That's when we look at the natural things, and now we're not standing in faith. Right. And then now we can't be conquerors. That ought not to be. That ought not to be. So now when we hear. All the pastors and, and, and ministers talk about. We should have victory. Yes we should have victory. But it doesn't mean victory is going to be. Easy. <laughs> Verse 5. Who is he who overcomes the world. But he who believes that Jesus. Is the son of God. So if we believe Jesus is the son of God, that's who we put our trust in. Let's turn to 2 John. And we'll come back to 1 John. 2 John. Now, in 2 John, we don't know, scholars don't know exactly who he is addressing it to. We don't know if he's addressing it to general people, a church, or even a specific lady. Because in the in first one, he's talking about the elect lady. But most believe that he's addressing it to a local church, basically a house church. We there? Oh, yeah, we're already in first John. So we good. (laughs) At least I hope so. (laughs) All right. right. So in second John. What he does and we're not going to go over it, but as you go in in your reading, he's dealing with combating false teachers because I talked about how we are to love our brothers, love our neighbors, love our enemies. You know, we're not supposed to love. False teachers. And John talks about that later in in 2 John. And we're not going to read it, but you can read it on your own. I think it's around the sixth or seventh verse. And he talks about, look, don't even allow them to come into your house. Alright, so let's look at verse 4. 2 John verse 4. I rejoice greatly that I have found some of your children walking in truth. As we receive commandment from the Father. So apparently John has come across some Christians from this local house church who are walking in the truth. Now, in, in, the, in the Greek, what this is actually saying, look, those who I have come across, I know that they are walking the truth, but I don't know about everybody else who I have not come across. And the reason why he would say that and the reason why that's like that in the Greek is because what I talked about, the false teachers, because what would happen back in this day, you had a lot of traveling ministers. You had to... They didn't have the churches like we have today. And they couldn't go in the synagogues a lot of times to teach because they weren't welcome there. But they would have house churches just like we were having in the house. They would have house churches and these ministers would travel and they would come in and they would, try, they, they would be welcomed in. They would get fed and everything like that. The problem with that is you had some false teachers coming in. You had some teachers that was basically bound in Gnosticism. Right, so what Gnosticism see, Gnosticism has taken on a lot of meaning that I'm giving you this for when you go back and re- you, you read it. It's taken on many shapes and meanings over the years. But back in this time, Gnosticism, they were in the belief of that, hey, material things are evil, the Spirit is good. This is, they acknowledge Jesus as being a deity, but they wouldn't acknowledge Jesus as being in the flesh. Which is why John said, even in 1st John, Anybody who does not believe that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is an antichrist. That's what he was dealing with. And what's amazing is what Gnostics also believed back then is they believe and See, people change, but the spirit don't change. I ain't talking about the Holy Spirit neither. They believed in like an elevated knowledge that you have to go deeper into the things to get a deeper knowledge. And we see that today. From a lot of hyper spiritual Christians have you ever come across a Christian and they start talking to you and they're talking about God, but you can't figure out what they're talking about? Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're so super spiritual, and you're like, Huh? But that's what Gnosticism was back then, all right? So let's keep going. So he going back to verse 4. So he's saying, As we receive commandment from the Father, so what is the truth and what is the commandment? That commandment is love. Let's keep reading. And now, verse 5, and now I plead with you, lady. So, John was not too proud to beg. I lost my spot in my notes. Verse 5, alright. Not as though I wrote a new commandment to you, but that which we had from the beginning that we what? Love one another. So, it's not a new commandment, but it's a commandment that we should always have. And like I said, at the beginning, once we become born again, it should be inherently easy natural for us to do. Verse 6. This is love that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment that as you have heard from the beginning you should walk in it. So what I didn't mention in verse 4 is when he said as we receive commandment from the Father. Remember they received the commandment from Jesus but Jesus said he spoke what he heard from the Father. So even when we read this word, we're reading Jesus's words, but it is coming from the father and they are one. All right, let's go back to verse John chapter three. All right. First, John three, 23. And this is his commandment that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. Again, he says over and over. So again, our love for God is demonstrated in loving our brothers and sisters in Christ. So if we're not loving our brothers and sisters in Christ, we can't love God. First John chapter four. And we're going to see what John calls him when we don't love. First John chapter four, verse 20. If someone says, I love God. And hates his brother. He is a liar. That's not me saying that. Anybody else got a different word there? Nope. I didn't think so. If someone says I love God and hates his brother. He is a liar. You know what that word liar means? In the Greek it means a false and faithless man. So when we have. When we hear Christians say. They did this. They did that. I can't forgive them. They're not living in faith. John calls them a liar. But yet we see Christians walking around not loving one another. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? So again, that word love doesn't mean an emotional love. That word love is actually a verb in the Greek. It is agapao, which means love in action, not in emotion or in words. So it goes back to even when I gave my testimony. Don't tell me you love me. Show me. So that's what that love is. So regardless of what somebody does to us. Or regardless of what a brother and sister in Christ do to us. We are still to love them in action. We are still to be a servant to them. Yeah help us. Because that's not easy. But it goes back to our faith. It is by faith. That we can serve. Regardless of what they do. Regardless of what they say. Regardless of how bad they treat us. We're still supposed to serve. And that servitude servant should be out of love. And the problem is. We don't love enough. In the body of Christ. We go about our merry way. We do our own things. right? Even if we have a local body. We're good. But we are to love one another. That is the unity that we're supposed to have as a body. And that's what the enemy wants to disrupt to cause that division, to cause that dislike, to cause that unforgiveness. See, when we're walking in unforgiveness, we can't love. We can't. That's right. And again, it takes faith. It doesn't mean that, hey, I may not feel a certain way, but you know what, Lord, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to love them anyway. Amen. Right? Because it doesn't mean we may not be irritated. <laughs> right? We can all say amen to that. We, yeah, we may be irritated by other brothers and sisters of Christ. But these are the things that we have to be mindful of. right? Because our love should be so strong, watch this, we should be able to rebuke one another. And our love should be so strong that we should be Able to be rebuked when we're wrong and still love. But what happens when we get rebuked in the church? I'm gone. I'm gone. And see, the rebuke doesn't have to be harsh. That word rebuke actually means criticism. And criticism doesn't always have to be harsh. And criticism and the rebuke doesn't have to be before everybody. So I'm going to tell you what we do. We wait. We wait. We wait. We wait and all that time is boiling up in us and then when we finally do say something it ain't going to come out in a loving way <laughs> it's going to come out in an irritable way in anger and guess what that other person is going to do they're going to become defensive you may meet somebody that, that is walking in humility and say okay but most of the time in the church in America it ain't going to be like that oh you're going to rise up at me so I'm going to rise back up at you Or we don't even say anything and we'll just go to the pastor. I'm leaving. Whatever. Those things ought not to be right. So let's look at example. I guess I will get to it. and we'll, We'll finish up. Let's turn to Galatians chapter two. See, Paul had to publicly rebuke Peter, his brother in Christ. But even when he rebuked Peter, Peter didn't cut him off. Galatians chapter 2. Alright, we there? Alright, Galatians chapter 2, beginning at verse 11. Now when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face, because he was to be blamed. For before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles, but when they came, He withdrew and separated himself. Fearing those who were of the circumcision. Verse 13. And the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him. So that even Barnabas. Was carried away with their hypocrisy. But when I saw. That they were not straightforward. About the truth of the gospel. I said to Peter before them all. If you being a Jew. Live in the manner of Gentiles. And not as the Jews. Why do you compel the Gentiles to live as Jews? Let's stop right there. So basically, just to paraphrase, Peter was hanging out with the Gentiles. All right. Peter was a leader in the church. Peter was hanging out with the Gentiles. But until some Jews came along and then guess what? Peter felt pressure. If you do a character study on Peter, as bold as Peter was, Peter would give in to peer pressure. Peter gave in the peer pressure, right? This is not the first time. Even when he denied Jesus three times, he gave in the peer pressure, right? That's ultimately what that was. But here, Peter was, again, hanging out with, with the Gentiles. But when the Jews came, why did Paul have to publicly rebuke Peter? Because Peter was a leader. And the interesting thing is this. Paul wasn't the first one to go to the Gentiles. Peter was. In Acts chapter 10, he went to Cornelius' house. Right. Where there's a Canadian whole household. Got saved. And we see. We read in Acts 15. That he stood up. Defending. The salvation of Gentiles. But the Jews wanted the Gentiles. To get into works. And say hey. You're not saved by grace. Or faith. You got to be saved by doing works. And Peter fell into the trap. And so much so. That Barnabas. Who was what. Paul's road dog. They went on a missionary trip in front of Gentiles. Barnabas. They encourage you. Peter's actions influenced the Jews and Barnabas. This is why Paul had to rebuke him publicly. So when we have a leader in the church doing wrong, yes, there's certain things we may have to rebuke publicly. But sometimes when it's another brother and sister in Christ, we may not have to do that. Right? But did Peter take offense? He may have. I don't know. But let's go to 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. Even if he did have an offense. He didn't hold on to it. And the interesting thing with Barnabas being taken away. Barnabas it was the one that bought Paul. Which was Saul at the time in Acts 11. To Antioch. So Barnabas should never have been acting like that. given into to him. 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 15 and 16. And we'll close with this. And consider that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation. As also our beloved brother Paul. So Peter is acknowledging Paul as his what? Brother. He didn't cut him off. According to the wisdom given to him. Has written to you. As also in all his epistles. Speaking in them. These things in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction as they do also the rest of the scriptures. So understand what does Peter say here about Paul's writings, his epistles? He says that they are hard to understand. So, again, this is right here in the scriptures. We can't beat ourselves up when we don't understand everything in the scriptures. There is a reason why God gave us the fivefold ministry to help us to understand Amen. these things. But yet we get people who get frustrated, who just give up. Sometimes you may have to go to YouTube or, or the Internet to get understanding of some things. OK, that's OK. But we can't beat ourselves up. So what happens is this. You have some people like you said here in the second half of 16, which are untaught and unstable. Unstable meaning wavering between opinions and something that's unfixed. So, in other words, that, what he's saying is this. You have people that may hear one thing and gravitate to that. Then the next moment, they hear another message and they're going to gravitate to that. In other words, they have no foundation, no sound doctrine. And they're going to gravitate to whatever they hear because they hear Jesus. They hear it coming from a Christian station and things like that. No. We have to get to the point, and y'all heard me say this before over and over, when it does not line up with the scriptures, we need to cut it off. We need to cut it off. And I'm not talking about somebody that may make a, a mistake or something like that. But we have people who are actually, like Peter says, who are untaught. And they're twisting the scriptures. And they give no context of the scripture. No background. So even like I gave you a background with 2 John. And what he was dealing with. So now when you go and read 2 John. You have a better understanding of it. So that word twist. In the scripture means to convert. To turn around. It means to pervert. Meaning in a false sense. And again. It's nothing new. It's stuff that's been around for centuries. But yet, the, the enemy knows it, but we don't take heed to that because we don't get into the Word. And the fact that we don't get into the Word, now we don't become cleansed. And we don't become mature. And the fact that we don't even, may not attend to teach <laughs> you, you teaching, you ain't one here. You may be somewhere that's not teaching you the Word. And then now, it becomes emotionally driven. So just like we talked about Wednesday, how we read, you could be in joy, And happiness in the Lord and not be in faith. But we have to be in faith. So it's not that we can't be in joy, but we have to be in faith and joy. And these are things that we have to be mindful of. Amen. So I'll stop right there. Mm -hmm. Amen. Mm -hmm. All right, let's bow our heads.